welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. We're in a series called Why Christian? It's been a good question this year, hasn't it? Why church? We really need to know in our hearts why we come to church. And I want to talk today. I've got the privilege, I've got the honour. Pastor Josh rang me and said, did I want to talk about the worshipping church? I said, yes, I do, I do. The worshipping church. So I want to start by reading out of, I cut my thumb two days ago. It's a bit sore, just going to work my way through holding my Bible and talking to you. I want to go to Isaiah um, chapter 66. Isaiah was a prophet speaking to a bunch of very rebellious Israelites, God's children, God's um, prophesying a vision that he had. He wrote it down for us to read. And um, God's describing himself in chapter um, 66. He's describing himself, this God that we come and worship every week. (laughs) God describes himself here in verse, um, in chapter 66, in verse 1, he says, This is what Yahweh says The heavens are my throne and the earth is all. I love that picture. I love to put my feet up. I love it that God puts his feet up. (laughs) I just do. It's always really spoken to me. But I put my feet up because I get fluid retention. God doesn't do that. He doesn't have fluid. God puts his feet up because the finished work of the cross. Amen. That's why he's got his feet up. So the heavens are my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? The place where I will rest. My hand made these things these things, so they all belong to me, declares Yahweh. Oh, he is God, isn't he? But there is one that my eyes are drawn to, this God who rests his feet on this planet. There is one that my eyes are drawn to, the humble one, the tender one, the trembling one who lives in awe of all I see, or the one who trembles at my word. This is the God we worship. I want to just go over to the end of this chapter, chapter 66. And God continues to say in verse 22, For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring, that's us, and your name remain. From new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh That's not just us. That's all flesh shall come to worship before me. We're wired to worship all flesh. Isaiah's prophesying here, all flesh will worship God. And yet we struggle. We struggle to do it the way that he asked us to do it. Israel struggled. It's not a mystery understanding Well, sorry, it is a mystery understanding God and who he is, that he rests his feet on earth, that the heavens are his throne. It's a mystery. (laughs) Our little minds can't comprehend who he is, but it's not a mystery why we don't worship him like he's asked us to. 
It's not a mystery. He tells us in chapter 1 of Isaiah. I remember God sent me to Isaiah about six months ago and said to me, you know, open the book of Isaiah and read. I'd read it once before, but I'd never really studied it. And I, and for this six, I have not been able to get past verse 1 to 3. Just haven't been able to go past it. It's blown my mind. So I want to read verse 1 to 3, first chapter of Isaiah from the Passion Translation. It says that here is the vision. You know, without a vision we perish. Without a vision. So here is the vision that Isaiah, the son of Amos, received by divine revelation concerning what was going to happen to Judah and Jerusalem during the times of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Listen, O heavens, hear, O earth, for the Lord Yahweh has spoken. I tenderly nurtured children and I made them great, but they've rebelled against me. Even a dumb ox instinctively knows its owner, and the stubborn mule knows the hands that feed him. But Israel, they don't know me, nor do my people understand We cannot understand what God is doing if we don't know him. We'll never understand his ways and why he does what he does if we never get to know him. Us for worship so that we would know him. This is eternal life. Eternal life is knowing God. Amen? It is. So the worshipping church... We know that singing's not worship. We all know that, don't we, in this room? If you didn't know that, well, can I just make that clear for you today? Singing songs is not worship. Um, singing songs is singing songs. Singing's a powerful tool, though. It's, a, it's God's idea that can help us to worship. In fact, it helps those that worship other things worship those things too. It's a powerful tool. The worship of God, it's the movement of the human heart. That's my definition. The worship of God is the movement of the human heart. Literally, it's the bowing down of a surrendered soul to something greater for us. Worship is an inward experience of reverence, awe and adoration. An inward experience of reverence, awe and adoration. And that inward experience can be expressed outwardly. We express it What's happening on the inside of us, we express it outwardly in song, in the taking of communion, in the reading of the word, in serving, in our yielded, laid-down lives, obedient lives. We express that. As believers, we get to do this together. It's amazing. We get to do this together. And not everyone in the world right now is getting to do this together. So it's a privilege, isn't it? It's like we should really treasure it. I treasure it. It's a privilege. So singing's not everyone's cup of tea. I know that I know lots of people. There's people in my family who just don't enjoy singing. You know, they have terrible voices. I must say too. But God doesn't care. He would enjoy their singing. But you know, they don't enjoy singing. <laughs> but music has the power to stir up our emotions. And it has incredible power to move us from our stubborn intellectual heads and get our focus more down into our hearts and our emotions that can connect with our spirit. That is who is spirit. 
It's powerful. So why do we worship together in song every Sunday? Apart from Paul, um, in Ephesians, he exhorts us to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and he exhorts us to sing them to one another. So I want to hear some of you singing to one another as you're walking through the doors. He does. If you read that scripture, he exhorts us to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. Why do we do that? It builds our faith. It's testifying, isn't it? It's testifying of what he's done. So he can do it again. But apart from Paul exhorting us there, it's how they do it in heaven. Why do we worship in song together every Sunday? They do a bit of this in heaven. They do a little bit. In fact, they do it day and night. They do it day and night in heaven, face to face. Timid, loud worship happens in heaven. It happens corporately. It happens among the multitudes, thousands and thousands. And I would imagine that they're definitely invading each other's personal space. There's no social distancing in heaven, praise the Lord. They don't have debates in heaven about style and volume. They don't have knee problems in heaven, so everyone can kneel down and bow down. Amen. They don't have COVID in heaven, so everyone gets to sing. Amen. And I bet we've all got great voices in heaven. And so the Apostle John, he describes heaven for us in a vision that he had in Revelation. just want to have a really quick look at this. A little look at how the book of Revelation um, and the Holy Spirit describes heaven for us. Worship in heaven. The Apostle John says, After this I looked. (laughs) Has anyone... And everyone, most people in here read Revelation or some of Revelation at some time. There's a lot of this. After this I looked. It's important to look. <laughs> just want to pause there for a sec. <laughs> so John, even in his vision, he's having a vision. In his vision, he had to look. He looked standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here. He had to come. He had to move from where he was and come up here in his vision. He had to look. He had to come. Come up here and I will show you what must take place. At once I was in the spirit. Take us there, Lord. And behold, a throne stood open in heaven with one seated on the throne. Not only is God seated in heaven with his feet resting on the earth, the Lamb of God seated on the throne. Verse 8, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, full of eyes all around and within, and day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, 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 ceaseless, day and night, they never stop, they never stop. Holy, holy, holy. And listen to this, verse 9, and whenever... Those living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to him, which is day and night. They never cease. (laughs) Whenever they do this, um, lost my place. And then thanks to him who is set on the throne, who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders, they fall down. (laughs) Ceaselessly, day and night. They fall down before him who is seated on the throne and they worship him 
who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things. Worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things. The earth's his footstool, and by your will they existed and were created. Let's jump to verse 9. And these 24 elders, a new song to the Lamb. They sang, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. That's us. They're singing about us. (laughs) And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. In heaven they're singing about us, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked. He had to look again. We've got to keep looking. We've got to keep seeing. Then I looked and I heard, verse 11, around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. Day and night, it's just, a, it's just a little smidgen image of what worship's like in heaven. My first point, I've got three points today I want to share with you. My first point regarding the worshipping church is that we were created for worship. We really were. Not just born-again believers. Every single human on the planet that was ever born was created for worship. It's out of fault setting. In fact, we don't even need to think about doing it. We automatically do it. We have the ability, all of us, to experience and express, and express passion and adoration. We have the capacity for awe. We have in awe. Every single one of us, no matter what your personality is like. It's not a personality thing. It's a creator thing. It's a be created in his image thing. Our ability to give all of our attention to something was his idea and it's masterful. Just watch someone gaming. They're pretty good at focusing and giving all of their attention, aren't they? This is one of us can do or can learn to do. It's in us. He made us like this. So what creates awe in your heart? Maybe it's Elvis. It was Elvis when I was 12. I cried for four days when he died. <gasps> Maybe it's a big bank account. I like penguins today, but I don't worship them yet. I just like them. <laughs> Maybe it's a comfortable lifestyle. It's awe in your heart. True authentic worship, true authentic worship is the highest function that our soul can be involved in. It's the very highest. And God is jealous. (laughs) He not only demands all of our worship, he's worthy of all our worship. It's important when we... They were actually worshipping. It really is. It's important that we actually worship and that we're not just going through the motions, not just giving him lip service. 
It's important to understand that if we struggle with worshipping God, and I know there's probably many of us in this room that struggle at times, maybe have always struggled with worshipping God, it's not because we cannot. We just perhaps know other things better than we know God. So that's my first point. We were created for worship every single... So that's good news. That's great news. He created us to be adoring, awe-filled worshippers. My second point is that is um, out of John 4. I want to go to John 4. John 4 verse 20. This is a familiar scripture. Jesus is speaking to the woman of Samaria at the well. And um, she says to Jesus, I perceive you're a prophet. And in verse 20 she says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, but it's coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, says Jesus, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. My second point is the Father is seeking worshippers. God's not seeking prophets. Some of us would like to think that he is. He didn't say that in there. He's not seeking pastors. He's not seeking regular Church attenders, he's not seeking gifted and talented people. He's not, seeking, he's not seeking old or young people. He's not seeking Bible scholars or buff, healthy, fit rock, rock stars or pop stars. He wants worshippers. The Father is seeking worshippers. He's seeking true worshippers. His eye is drawn to the humble, the contrite in spirit, the one who trembles at his word. Jesus is coming back so <gasps> He is. Oh, have you had a sense in your heart? He's coming back soon. But you know what he's coming back for? He's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for a bride that is in love. Who would want to marry someone that didn't love them? Jesus is coming back for a love-sick bride. He loves us and he's looking for him. And so we love, we tend to do this, we love whatever has our heart, our heart's important. The Bible tells us to guard it above all things because we'll love whatever has our heart. And too often we'll end up worshipping what has our heart's affection. What is your heart's devotion? What has belongs to God? What has your heart's devotion that should be God's? Are we ready for the King's return?
I talk about this sometimes and I get a sense from serious. I do. I feel like the response sometimes in people's house, why, why be so serious? We know Jesus is coming back. But we live in a culture that just wants to party, party, party. They just want to have fun. And um, I have empathy. I, I feel sorry for our younger generation because they don't know anything different. Um, but really, you know, Israel, culture, it was party, party, party. Really, nothing's changed. And um, so I don't care if you tell me I'm being serious. <laughs> I don't care. Go ahead. But Jesus is coming back and he's coming back for a bride who is in love with him. We need to fall in love. Matthew 25 talks about ten virgins getting ready for their bridegroom. Five of them were ready and five of them weren't. Only five of them had oil in their lamps. We must value time in his presence above all other loves. If I could put that on one of those big signs or fly a plane over your house <laughs> day and night, value time in his presence above everything else. Value time in his presence above all other, all other desires that control you. It's only in his presence when we learn to receive from him from the Father, that all those other passions and desires just dissolve away. I've experienced this. I experience it now. I've been experiencing it for a few years. It is in his presence that the battle over sin, it, it, it no longer becomes a battle. It no longer... I, I could tell you there's so many times where I've had a season, a few months of just seeking him and worshipping and soaking in his presence and spending time with him above other things. And I come out of that season and realise, oh my goodness, I don't even think that anymore. I didn't address it. I didn't get hands laid on me. I didn't go into warfare. <laughs> it just no longer exists in me. Presence above everything else until he becomes the supreme desire of your heart. Until Jesus becomes the supreme desire of your heart. He loves us. He loves you. <laughs> he loves you so much. He wants to sit enthroned on your heart. We know when this happens, when we only want him. We no longer seek him for things that he can do to us. <laughs> we just want to be with him again. You'll know when this happens. When you just want to be with him again. In fact, it becomes detestable to you to ask him for things. He already knows what we need. He already knows. He said that really clearly. In there. He already knows what we need. And the mystery of the word, he tells us to petition and bring. But all the asking and the petitioning that I do to God comes out of my time with him. I sit with him, I worship him, I spend time in his presence he puts his burdens on my heart and then I petition him and then I ask him. I don't ask him for needs. He already knows them. He promised me that, that he would take care of our needs. We need to value time in his presence. 
And our response to being loved by him is just total surrender. Have you all experienced that? Experienced being loved by him, encountered his presence, and your heart just surrenders. We let go, we give up. What a wonderful place. He desires that place for all. It's a beautiful place. Beautiful, beautiful place of rest, of giving up, not battling anymore with all the, all the things that I want, that I used to want, when they just all dissolve away and all you want, with him, want is him. Oh, it's a beautiful place. He wants that for each one of us. That's the gospel. That's why he came. The Pharisees wanted to know what the greatest commandment was. They talked to Jesus in Matthew and they asked him. And of course he said to them, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your, with all your mind. And he said, there's another one like it, to love one another. We can't do that second one without doing the first one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul and all your strength. How do we love him with all our strength? Does it feel impossible? <laughs> it is impossible. How do we love him with all us in here? <laughs> Everything's in here. <laughs> Everything we need for life and godliness is in this word. <laughs> How do we love him with all our strength? Well, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it's in his presence that fullness of joy is found. How do we love him with all our strength? We value time in his presence. And he will fill you with joy. Where does God presence himself? He comes right down in the middle of this worshipping family, doesn't he? He inhabits our praises. He inhabits the sacrifice that we bring, we bring him in. He's not holding back. He's not holding back. Oh, he's not holding back. The only reason that he's holding back and hasn't come again yet is because he loves his kids and he wants the world. It's not going to happen unless we're in love. <laughs> it's not going to happen until we love him and until we know him. He's not holding back. The receiving, so listen to this, the receiving of Christ himself, the person of Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the receiving of Christ himself, the infilling of the Holy Spirit with fire and new wine, the tangible awareness of Jesus in the room. This God. And we're growing in our knowledge of God every day, every single day. Value time in his presence. The more that we meet with him, that we receive from him, the freer we become from the need for anything else to satisfy. Does everyone desire that place? <sighs> Take. But in our ignorance and our pride, like the children of Israel, we think we know this. We've, we've got a bad personality trait, all of us, that we just think we know everything. We think we know better than him. We think we, we, just, we just do. I know I'm not the only one. <laughs> I know I'm not. We think we know everything. And, um, you know, we may have a mental knowledge. Some of you may be smarter than me. A lot of you are. 
Uh, you know, I've got a really bad memory. I can't memorize scriptures well. In fact, you know, for years I said no to, to, to doing this, to serving God, because I couldn't memorize scriptures. <laughs> I just say yes now. <laughs> I'll leave that up to him. We may have a mental knowledge about loving God and being loved by him. We, can, we sing about it. We quote scriptures about it. We teach it to one another. We write essays on it. We memorize it and we stick copies of those words on our... We do it on our toilet wall and some people put it on the fridge. But this book, the text on the pages in this book, they're a window. The text, the words in this book that you read, they're a window for the voice of the Lord to come through, to penetrate your heart and to transform. It's a window for the person of Jesus himself. The voice is Jesus. This life, this eternal life <laughs> that we're living, it's a relationship with the Trinity. It's a, relation, it's a beautiful relationship with the Father, with the Son and with the Spirit. And the Father is seeking worshippers. He's looking for worshippers. It just blows my mind. He's, he's looking... I always get the picture when I read this scripture of when the Holy Spirit was creating the universe and he hovered over the waters. That picture comes into my mind when I read this scripture. I just see the Holy Spirit hovering with the Father over this planet looking for worshippers who love him and want to know him more. This was Paul's highest pursuit. The apostles... In fact, he said that everything else, everything else was rubbish, filth, garbage. The King James Version says that it was dung. The, the, the Aramic Version says that it was a pile of dung. A pile. Everything else compared to knowing Christ. Everything else apart from growing in an intimate, tangible, experiential, knowing God was worthless, was rubbish compared to knowing him. Is this your experience? Do you understand this? Do you understand how important it is? Christianity, being a believer, it's not something that we do on a Sunday. If it is, you haven't met him yet. <laughs> Eating. It's not even just a quiet time in the morning. It's a relationship, 24 hours. It's a relationship. The ache in God's heart, I see it. The ache in God's heart is that many Christians never pursue him. They never seek him. They never spend time with him. They never search for him in his word. And never get to know the God of we're saved in our born-again experience, but we're being saved every single day. And that being saved is knowing God, getting to know him, growing in our knowledge of the creator of the universe personally. He wants to know you. He wants to know you. And this, this is really important. This, is, this has stopped me oh, so many years in my walk with him is the lies that the enemy that oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy for God to even want to look at me to, you know, I, I, I'm happy to worship him from a distance, you know. I'm not, those lies, those pretensions, those imaginations, we need to cast them down. 
If you don't rise up and, and cast them down, if you don't speak to those yourself and come to him, you'll never get to know him. Don't believe the lies. It's really important. So we don't pursue him, we don't seek him. <clears throat> so many people never get to know him. Instead, we choose to live with all the dung. It's a terrible picture, but it's true. We choose to live with a pile of dumb, being satisfied with lesser loves that are temporary and fading away. It's so easy for our minds to be set on earthly things. It's easy for us to wonder and into our timetable, the one who rests his feet on the earth. <laughs> we fit him in rather than following him. This is not a, a prayer, it's not coming across condemning, it's an invitation. It's an invitation into abundant life. Abundant life is knowing him, it's an invitation. Mm, got a couple of notes, I'm going to leave that one. For most of us, this one's on a slide, thanks Wes. For most of us, we do not love him with all of our hearts because we are not being loved by him. We are not being loved by him because we do not come to him. And we do not come to him because we just don't know him yet. It requires humility to come and to bow down our Heavenly Father without all the answers in our life, all the questions in our life answered, with all the whys, without understanding everything, without receiving all the promises that we believe he's promised us. It requires humility. So my third point is, regarding the worshipping church, we must come to him. And I think if, if, you, if you, you hear anything today, you want to take anything home, this is it. We must come to him. Corporate worship is such an amazing opportunity to enjoy community, to celebrate together, to testify about our life out loud with God, to clap and dance, play an instrument, use the gifts and talents God's given us. But unless there is a personal heart connection with God, unless you personally praise, unless you personally worship, unless you personally adore him, allow and learn how to let awe fill your heart for him, you may find that your experience in corporate worship is more like being a judge on Australia's Got Talent. I like that song. Oh, I don't like that one. That's old-fashioned. The words aren't about Jesus. Music's too loud, the music's too soft. The electric guitarist, oh, he's way overplaying. The singer's a bit pitchy. Blah, 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 blah. To be a true worshipper, we need to learn to give him all of our attention as we come to him. This is worshipping in spirit. He so longs for us to encounter his love and his joy and his peace, his presence and his glory. And um, hopefully the people that, um, that are in your vicinity when we worship together motivate you and spur you on and encourage you that we're here, that's what we're here to do. We're here, but only you can worship him for you. Only you can worship God for you. I know I'm repeating myself. I need to. Only you can surrender your own heart. 
Only you can lift up your voice and sing his praise. It's not going to do you much good to watch someone else do that. Your mouth. (laughs) We want you to sing. We don't care what it sounds like. It's going to be so beautiful in his ears. Only you can turn the affection of your heart to see his beauty and behold his majesty. Just going to ask Kiara to read a story right now and the music team are just going to come up. Um, So I just want you to pay attention. It's not a really long story, but it goes for a minute or two. Just listen carefully to the words of this story. Thank you, Kiara. There were two warring tribes in the Andes, one that lived in the lowlands and the other high in the mountains. The mountain people invaded the lowlanders one day, and as part of their plundering of the people, they kidnapped a baby of one of the lowlander families and took the infant with them back up into the mountains. The lowlanders didn't know how to climb the mountain. They didn't know any of the trails that the mountain people used, find the mountain people, or how to track them in the steep terrain. Even so, they sent out their best party of fighting men to climb the mountain and bring the baby home. The men tried first one method of climbing and then another. They tried one trail and then another. After several days of effort, however, they had climbed only several hundred feet. Feeling hopeless and helpless, the lowlander men lost and they prepared to return to their village below. As they were packing their gear for the descent, they saw the baby's mother walking towards them. They realised that she was coming down the mountain and they hadn't figured out how to climb it. And then they saw that she had the baby strapped to her back. How could that be? One man greeted her and said, We couldn't climb this mountain. How did you do this when we, the strongest and most able? She shrugged her shoulders and said, It wasn't your baby. Jeremiah 29, 13 says that if you search for me, with all of your heart you will find me. This is true. It's the truth. When we come together on a Sunday, we're not coming to seek his hand. We don't come to seek the gifts or fruit. We come to seek him. We come to minister to him. We're priests and kings of the new covenant. We come to minister to the Father. Every single one of us, not just those on the platform, every single one of us, to anoint him with our most expensive perfume. This is our highest function. This is our greatest calling. We don't worship because we can. We worship because we can. We don't worship to get his love. We worship because he is love. He already sent his son. He's already loved us. We're going to sing again in a minute. I had a word couple of days ago when I was just prepping for today, just in the middle of, you know, just felt the Holy Spirit speak a prophetic word. It was just this, it's not too late. <laughs> so I wrote it down and this morning he showed me this. So this is a word for someone here today, it's not too late. And I saw a specific picture, I saw a picture of a forklift um, in, a, in a large warehouse, kind, it's kind of like Ikea, and it was lifting boxes up, a really tall forklift, lifting boxes up onto really high shelves. 
That was the picture I saw and I heard. If that picture mean, pertains to you, if that speaks to you, if you know that's you, I want to invite you at the end of the meeting to come forward and we want to pray with you and believe with you for God to do what he wants to do in your life. Amen. Um, another picture that the intercessors had um, this morning, um, they saw a picture of, of God's hand suturing up, suturing up a wounded heart and, and suturing it, finishing it, closing it, healed. So I also want to give an invitation um, for anyone here that has a wounded heart. God's healed many, many wounds in my heart. He, he was never able to unearth them all in one go. <laughs> he, he's done it bit by bit. He's so gracious and so loving. If you feel like that is for you, that you, there's healing that you need from God, then in a few minutes, maybe during, during the singing, just come forward and, and some of our prayer team, they're going to pray with you for that. So really quick, in summary, we were created to worship and suffocates the soul's rebellion. Did you hear that? Wholehearted adoration suffocates the soul's rebellion. <gasps> Just come to him. Secondly, what does the... Fa- He's looking for worshippers. What does the father do with a worshipper when he finds one? <laughs> if he's looking for one, what does he do? What does he do? What does he do with a worshipper when he finds one? He smothers them to death with his love. That's what he does. To death with his love. Literally, he wants to kill us. Every desire, every single desire and lie that's in the way of me receiving his love, he wants to kill it. He smothers us with his love and then he fills us with his glory. That's what he does when he finds a worshipper. We're glory carriers, aren't we, Brett? We're glory carriers. And he wants his presence and his glory to flow out of us until the whole earth glory, till all of creation worships him. And finally, when we come to him together as a worshipping church, when we come to him together as a worshipping church, can I exhort you, come full of faith and expectancy. Come full of faith. And don't wait for the first song to start before you start worshipping. Oh, Imagine what crazy revival is going to happen in this place. <laughs> when we come for, for 10 a.m., for the clock to tick, bam. But we're already there. 50 of us have already entered in. Oh. I encourage you, you know, think outside of the box. Ask God, what can I do different? Keep doing the same thing that I've always done. Nothing will ever change. Sometimes we have to allow our minds to be offended to surrender to the Holy Spirit. You know, just get over the fact that you don't like all the... I'm just being honest, get over it. (laughs) If you don't like the structure, the... uh, Whatever it is, just... Just just take that offence, like, aggressively. Just get rid of it and worship Him. Worship Him. He'll deal with it all. He'll sort it all. He'll sort it all out. Always come with a heart that's ready to bow down. That all of our affection and all of our attention, 
He separates, disconnects us and sets us apart from everything else so that it can no longer affect us. That's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for you. And in this place, he becomes our hiding place. In this place, he becomes our safe refuge, the secret place where we can dwell in the shadow of his wings. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.